0: You're listening to the Southampton Delivery P- P- Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. See the club by how I see it. It's
1: a fantastic club. To Mane, 25 yards
2: out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, side.
1: One day. The fast
0: shot! Oh my word! Unbelievable. We ran around the bit, but like, badly on ice. It'll be very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, and now your, host, your host Matt Orr- Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. This is episode 99 of the Southampton Delivery Podcast and one that will be remembered as the one that was recorded entirely before Mark Hughes was sacked by the Southampton Football Club. Uh, So I talked with dan hargraves and there was a ton to talk about and dan you may recognize his voice uh from the saints view where he is uh on the youtube channel uh that's also on twitter and instagram he's also a presenter and the editor for talk saints which is at talk saints and links to all of those things are in the show notes along with dan's personal account which is at dan hargraves underscore both on instagram and twitter um But Dan joined me to talk about uh, the midweek cut match against Leicester, uh, the impact that may have had uh, when we went into the game against United, um, the kind of um, good start we had to the match, going two goals up on on a big club, even if they're in a big club in bad form. uh, That that was a a pretty nice feeling there for about 20 minutes. Um, And then we kind of did what we normally do or what we've been accustomed to this season, which is allow other teams back into the game, um, and so there was a lot of, there was a lot to talk about, but I, to be honest did not think that Mark Hughes would lose his job um, and to prove that, uh, I said this: Mark Hughes is I think safe right now I don't regardless of the result yesterday, unless we go out and get blown out six nothing maybe. Um, I think he's safe simply because. The the people at the club that are there to make a managerial decision haven't really been responsible for making managerial decisions, you know, overall. So yes, that aged very, very well. And we could have pulled that out, but uh, Dan and I spoke well before uh, Mark Hughes was released. Um, This podcast was basically done before then, but if I can get Dan back on the phone before I release this, um, we'll talk about Hughes's release and, and maybe a little bit about Uh, some of the new potential replacements, but um, that basically uh, works as the intro. Uh, Dan's been on the show before. He knows how this works. Uh, He did a fantastic job. I, however, had a bit of a nightmare, so I apologize for the interruptions, Um, uh, me misquoting goals and things, but anyway, I hope you enjoy the chat, Uh, and here is my conversation with Dan Hargraves, who's at Dan Hargraves underscore on Twitter and Instagram. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Dan Hargraves. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at dan hargraves underscore. Uh, he's associated with a number of accounts on, on online. Wow, that was difficult. Uh, but Dan, welcome back to the show, and thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, really good to be back.
0: Yeah, man. So, like, let's just get caught up with what you've been up to since the last time we spoke. Because you've been here uh, before, and you you were doing some writing and stuff. But like, what what have you been up to in the terms of of media and things like that in the past? Uh, say six, seven months or so.
1: So I think the first thing we could say is that I became head editor of talk saints, new website, which has has gone well. Um, we're finding it a little bit difficult, um, to get articles up consistently, but it's been really nice being associated with that account. Cameron, who started it, uh, set it all up. He's been doing it for about five years as a, um, starting off as an Instagram account now on Twitter um he's done really well and it's been really nice to be associated with that account and through that job being given that role i'm now also doing some stuff for the instagram account so you may see me on when it's match day i do some stuff on the story where i cover the game if i'm going then i'll film or i'll take pictures or i'll sort of cover it um so in that sense it's been yeah really nice to be with a an account that's already w- really well known in the Southampton community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get recognized now for it and I'm, just, and it's just crazy. Um, and then very recently, I say recently, like in the last month me and some other guys have set up a new YouTube channel where we're just generally talking about saying, I think you would label it as a fan channel, but I don't want to call it that cause obviously we've got a fantastic fan channel already in the ugly inside,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but that's some, that's sort of a platform where I can sort of, Present sort of practice presenting, I guess. Talk about saints, and then it's another is another uh, channel for people to watch if they want another bit of an extra fix for Southampton, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, and you were you were running your own channel there for a while on, on YouTube, so it seems like you're uh, you keep finding yourself kind of in front of the camera, which is good. And it seems to me like you you enjoy it, so uh, it's nice to see you back doing that uh, in addition to all of the other stuff. I guess over the summer, I think. Uh, you took a trip to Mexico. You were all the way, uh, I think, in my time zone. Even um, how was, was that?
1: I was far off it. I can tell you that I
0: definitely wasn't far off it. What was that? Uh, what was that plane uh, flight like?
1: Um, I don't remember most of it because I was asleep. But um, you know, I think British Airways always do a good good service. Um, the time zone was weird though. It, it was it was quite far back.
0: I, I forget. Were you there when we were when the team was? Uh, doing any kind of preseason stuff? Like, did you have to get up and watch a match at an odd hour, or no?
1: No. Um, the day I flew out, we had the last friendly against Gladbach, um, and then we had the Burnley game. I was there, and then I uh, flew home the day we played Everton. Um, so I was pretty much there for the start of the Premier League season. I didn't really miss too much because it wasn't too too exciting, um, <laughs> but. They didn't, I mean, they didn't have the games on TV, but I sort of was able to follow them on Twitter. And then I came back, went away again. So it took me until Crystal Palace away from actually going to a game right. this season, which was probably
0: the best one out of all the season that I could have started off with. Yeah, man. But I mean, in addition to kind of all of that, what, what have you made of our season so far? There's There's been kind of a lot of stuff going on. I mean, we have. Um, injuries. We have uh, yellow card suspensions. We have, you know, we've been knocked out of the cup now or the EFL cup at least, but um, it's just been kind of a a weird kind of run of games and and people are calling for Hughes's job. So uh, we have kind of a lot of stuff to to cover, but if you don't mind, I I think we just start with um, the Carabao cup. We won't spend a a ton of time on it. Um, The game of course was postponed uh, because of the, the helicopter accident crash and um, you know, rightly so, but we reschedule it. We travel up to Leicester uh, for a midweek match. And, and when the lineup comes out, you kind of assume that there was going to be some rotation. You assume Gunn was going to get a, a chance. But the rest of it, man, like, I don't know. What did you make of that lineup when it, when it came out?
1: I thought it was promising. I'm not going to lie to you, Matt. I thought we didn't really need a quarterfinal in the cup, especially against Manchester City. Because if we'd gone through, I think we would have been playing... Um, City and then Huddersfield, something like three days later, and then you know the typical December run would continue. We've got games of so two or three every week. Uh, yeah, I thought the lineup was all right. I, I wanted to see Vestergaard come back in. Um We obviously saw Valerie, which was a surprise for me, mm-hmm. um sort of a femi start. That was, I think it was all positive, um, but I think it was also good because we could see that if it had gone well, which obviously it did. We could take that into the Man United game and potentially other Premier League games. And obviously it went well. The team that started, obviously, um, Valerie impressed on his debut. Vestergaard seemed quite solid. And obviously those two players specifically um, came into the side in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a different kind of a, a, a look, but you, you think of, uh, of a back five or a back three. And then you look at, you know, one, we're suffering with some injuries in different places, different parts around the pitch. But also... We are going to be up against, well, we're up against Spurs, we're up against United, we're up against Chelsea, we're up against some of these bigger teams uh, in this run, and we're going away for several of those. You would kind of expect us to maybe uh, set up uh, semi-defensively and look to hit on the counter, and with those guys up front with Redmond and Obafemi, uh, that seems to be kind of the, you know, the lineup we might want. So uh, you could see it maybe as a as a test for that to see how it worked, and then I think when we roll it into what happened. Uh, on Saturday against United, it's not that far off, um, but we'll get there. I mean, is that kind of in line with what you? I mean, is that in line with kind of what you were thinking?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's definitely right. Um, I didn't really think in terms of the sort of counter attacking football, but definitely that maybe we will be sitting back against the game in the games against the bigger sides. But look, I think we were pretty dominant, especially in the first half against Manchester United. Okay, yes, we got picked back too, but we actually took a two goal lead, which was. Which was brilliant to see, but it wasn't the case of when we, what we saw in the Chelsea game when we went to the five at the back um, and sort of sat back for the entire game and tried to hit on the counter. We were sort of first at everything, um, really, really good flow in our attack and our play. It didn't look like we were set up to counter. It looked like we were set up to have extra numbers in defence. But it didn't look like to me that we were trying to be quite conservative and hope that we would get a chance. It looked like we were trying to get on the front foot, trying to sort of ask questions of United. And that's exactly what we did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in that game, target plays, uh, which we you expect. Valerie, like you said, was a, a little bit of a shock. But Cedric has been, I don't want to say sh- Struggling, but he hasn't been great defensively, and a lot of people it seems like him and Hoot are drawing the majority of the criticism in terms of of of, de- of defensively at least. Um, Austin's gotten a lot up front, um, and we won't even talk about him because he hasn't been involved. So, um no. but to see Valerie come in and play the way he did, uh, I thought he was great. To see Target come in and, and do just fine, but then suffer the injury, the head injury, uh, and then you have Cedric come on uh, to play essentially a, as a right wing back, which he then again played yesterday, so um, or, or against United. So we, I mean, coming off of that penalty loss uh, against Leicester City, did you think that was going to have a negative impact on Saturday, or do you think that because of the uh, kind of the, the style of play or, or or the type of game we played, that it was going to be okay in terms of moving forward?
1: I think that you can always worry that you know a penalty defeat may be a bit demoralizing, but if I'm the team, I know that we were very close. And maybe, we should have won the game. Um, you know, obviously, got the goal disallowed. Um, so you could argue that maybe we could have got away with that if the AR wasn't in use. It, it, didn't, it shouldn't have stood. So, you know, it was, it was fair enough. Um, but I, I think they would have seen that their performance was really solid, really promising. And they shouldn't have been uh, disheartened by it, going out on penalties. And, you know, we saw on Saturday that they weren't disheartened. You know, they really went for
0: it yeah absolutely and once again Redmond with another good performance midweek and then again yesterday with the man of a match performance um against United so big day for Valerie and Obafemi who both got uh their first Premier League starts and I thought both of them did well enough Obafemi looks at times though to be uh, slightly hesitant um he maybe had one or two chances uh that he maybe made a wrong decision or whatever but he really put himself about otherwise and I thought he I thought he did just fine up front um, but I think Redman, for me, uh, kind of stole the show in terms of an, of an attacking sense.
1: No, Well, I think you could argue he was responsible for the first one finding Obafemi, who finds um, Armstrong. I, I mean, I disagreed with Redman getting mad at the match. I thought Lamina was... I thought Lamina was standout. Um, that, that's personally... But yeah, you could definitely say Redman stole the show um, in an attacking sense. Forward passes all the time. Always looking to make that run. Um, the final product still isn't really there um for me because some of his crosses or his balls into the box just instantly got blocked away um but he's got an intent he's got an intent and I think that's really positive to see we know how quick he is we know how skillful he can be um and it seems like he executed all of his qualities bar sort of the final ball in most instances
0: yeah and I think that that's going to be something that has to develop. I mean, we weren't even getting to that spot last season, you know? So I think he's, I think his confidence wise, he's much better this season. Um, And like you said, he, he was essentially responsible for that, that first goal because those United defenders, and even in in instances leading up to this, he drew in two or three of them and was able to keep the ball, find Obafemi, who actually was, did very well to find Armstrong there. Um, And Armstrong shot, I was kind of, you kind of look at the angle, and man, that's a tough angle to beat a keeper of De Gea's quality. Uh, and he did it. He did it brilliantly. And that was, uh, I, I think it was deserved in terms of, of the way the game was going so far. Um, and I was, I was pretty happy with that. Of course, having known the final score, uh, I didn't, I didn't celebrate too much.
1: No, I've, no. I think if you're going on to Armstrong's goal, it's a fantastic finish. I mean, it's placed, but it's a rocket. Isn't it goes in so quickly? You watch it on the replay. You know, you can say. De Geo is obviously top goalkeeper. No goalkeeper is going to stop that. It, it, they can't think. No goalkeeper has the reaction speed to get down that quickly and palm it away. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was an excellent shot. Um, in regards to Obafemi's involvement, that was fantastic. But I think I do agree with you, Matt, in this sense that uh, he, he, he does look a little bit lost sometimes. Not because he's a poor quality. He's obviously got quality, but I think you know he's 18 years old. This is his what, fourth Premier League appearance? Maybe fifth? Because he made one last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still learning. It's his first start. He'll, he'll get there. He's a striker that doesn't offer anything else that the other strikers do. Ings and Gabby relatively clinical. Austin sometimes, well, I think Austin right now is a bit bit lazy and unfit. Same with Shane Long. Um, but Obafemi, he's got pace. Um, from what we've seen in the under-23s, he's clinical. He hasn't really had that many chances in terms of goal scoring besides the one in the uh, cup game. Um, which is a shame, but I think part of that is down to him being a little bit hesitant.
0: Yeah, and and that will come. He will get better with more chances and more time. And to be honest, other than Ings, none of our forwards are really scoring all that much anyway, so why not give him a run, especially coming up against some of these teams where I think they will be vulnerable um, you know, on the counterattack. And you have a, a guy who I think is best running onto balls um, in the channels and doing that. If you have him and Redmond both up there, Hopefully, with Armstrong getting forward, uh, possibly with and Hoiberg getting forward a little bit, I think that suits us well, um, as well as it can be for a team who's sitting, you know, in nineteenth place or wherever we're at uh, currently. So, um, or maybe we're in eighteenth based on on goal difference. I think
1: we're eighteenth. Uh, I think a point of safety. Yeah, maybe yeah. two. It might be two.
0: Um, if we can just go back, uh, just to the very beginning of the match, real quick. I've had some. I don't want to say arguments. I've had some discussions with people through social media, mostly on direct messages and email and stuff like that, but like nothing out in public, but some people, I don't know if you're hearing this, think that Gunn should be getting more starts than McCarthy. Now, like McCarthy is, you know, the team is conceding so many goals, maybe that, that McCarthy needs to take a step back. And then he comes out in this match and he kind of miskicks that, that ball. And we almost go down a goal right away. Um, I will be honest that I I don't think a lot of the goals have been McCarthy's fault. Um, I think a lot of it has been down to uh, just just people not marking runners, not staying with runners. And I would say yesterday yesterday against United, the same type of thing that like you look at um, you know some of our defenders getting turned, and guard not running with Lukaku uh, on one of them, and it's just like man, like this is the same thing. It seems like that left center back spot is maybe cursed uh, or something. But um, to back to the original question, like do you think maybe that Gunn should be replaced by McCarthy or is that uh, in your opinion not something that is that, that should even be considered at this point?
1: Goalkeeper's not a problem. The, the goalkeeper's not a problem for me. Um, okay, yeah, he had a mistake early on in the game. Not being funny, but I'm pretty sure that's one of maybe two or three at the most mistakes that he's made this season. The, the, you know, At the end of the day, he's got more clean sheets than some of the league's top goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. And okay, they were a nil-nil draw, so the results haven't really reflected onto the whole team as a um, as a whole. Um, but individually, I don't think he's really put a foot wrong. Um, you can't blame him really for any of the goals we've conceded. Okay, you want to talk about the mistake he made yesterday? It, we didn't, they didn't capitalize on. So I don't really see why we would talk about it anymore if people are going to use that as an argument for why Gun would come in. Gunn, how old is he? 22? 23 about that?
0: Yeah, he's he's um, young and, and I think... Is kind of he couldn't have come in this season and assumed he was going to be the Premier League starter, like challenge for the yeah, spot, know. sure, yeah, but no. I'm
1: sure they would have told him when he signed the contract, We're signing you as a future prospect, we're not signing you for the season. I'm sure he would have been told that he's only had one season as a professional footballer, and that was it, in the championship, and it was against the side that finished mid table mm-hmm. for Norwich. Now, he's a good goalkeeper, he's, ob- he's obviously a good goalkeeper. But I don't really see the need to McCarthy. Obviously if McCarthy was to uh his form was to decree it to fall, if he was to have a dip, and we did need to replace him like we did need to replace Forster a year ago, Gun's a great replacement, you know, that's why we bought him. But there's no need to replace him right now. It is not his fault that we've been conceding so many. I think it is down to the centre backs.
0: Yeah, yeah. The atmosphere at St. Mary's yesterday, after the first goal, seemed to kind of go up a few notches, and it uh, the fans were loud. And I mean, home form has been so bad in recent um, years, I guess year, year and a yeah. half, yeah. Um, that you know, uh, are, are there's been a lot of discussion about that on social media. Um, Charlie Austin has come out and said it. Do you have even uh, Joe Prince Wright, who works for NBC, had had mentioned uh, in a tweet that? You know the players were really wanting the fans to get behind and and fans, I think are tired of hearing that like it's hard to to sit there and hear, like say like we don't have a right to be frustrated or we don't have a right to maybe express that frustration. And I can say that that the majority of the time if the game is is tight, if the game is being well played, that the fans are good, but it doesn't take very much for the fans to kind of go like, "Ah, we've seen this before and kind of maybe pack it in, which I think at this point is totally fair because we've had you know uh it's like one home win and and for however long it's been forever so at 12 months More yeah 12 I mean and so I understand it but what I really want to get to is like the fact that the crowd was great yesterday uh the crowd was fantastic yeah. after the after the after the first goal and then when Cedric puts that free kick in which I didn't see coming um the crowd seemed to go absolutely nuts um so like when, when that goal did go in and what was your kind of experience uh, being in the stands? Like what, was it just on TV that I was getting that feeling or was, was that a real kind of reaction from the stands?
1: Well, I can tell you that I don't think I've celebrated a goal scored at home. Probably since Booth uh, was against West Brom. Um, it, it was ridiculous. It was so good. Not just because it was an excellent goal. Technically, it's because it puts you two nil up at home against a top top side, of Manchester United. Okay, they're not in great form, but they're still a top side. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen us actually go two 0 up against Manchester United, and it's been ages since we've gone two 0 up against a top six side. So all of that sort of bottled into one. Just, <laughs> I think thirty thousand fans in the stadium just erupted mm-hmm. because of not just because the goal was so fantastic and so unpredictable because what, what was riding on it and so sort of what it meant.
0: Yeah. And, and when you look at Cedric taking a kick, uh, a free kick, he's never on the videos, you know, he's not one of these guys that's on the videos from training ground, taking the free kicks. Uh, a lot of times it's, you know, Bertrand's up there. He's out injured. Uh, James Ward Prowse, not, not in the starting lineup. Um, you know Redman can take him. You know uh, Vesterkar can take him. He took that one for Denmark at, at training uh, during international duty. That was an absolute rocket. Um, but yeah. to see him do that, and, and in the buildup to it, by the way, Lamina does does well to to kind of win the ball back, uh, get a shot off, and then gets tackled by Rashford. It was a pretty bad tackle uh, uh, from Rashford on that. But when you're looking at who's standing over it, you think it has to be Redmond's going to hit it, but Cedric had picked the ball up, put it down. And when he takes that, that, that is, I mean, it, it's, it's perfect, right? There's nothing De Gea can do. It's got dip. It's got swerve. It's got like everything you want in a free kick. Like that's it.
1: I think if that goal had been scored against us, fans, some fans would have complained, obviously they're always pessimists, but I think generally you can't complain about conceding that goal. That that's just excellent execution. It's it is perfect. You know, you can't question the wall. You can't question the goalkeeper. You know, he's, he's whipped that over the wall they can't get to it and placed it so far into the top corner that no goalkeeper would get to that okay the, if i was a united fan i would argue you know rashford doesn't really need to give away the free kick right. but i think so sort of that you know you just have to stand back and clap obviously obviously if we didn't really get the benefits from it because we didn't win the game um but you know maybe maybe we'll look back on that and think that was a that was the turn Turning point in our season if we are to go on an upwards one.
0: Yeah, and uh, yesterday was Cedric's 100th Premier League appearance. It was nice for Cedric to be able to score on his hundredth appearance. It's his first Premier League goal for the club. Um, and when he first came into the to the team, uh, I think there were a lot of expectations placed on him because you know he was coming off of uh, you know the partnership with with uh, Jose Font, um, being a Portuguese international. But he hadn't scored. The last time he scored was 2013 uh, for Sporting Lisbon was the last time he scored in a in top-flight league. And so um, that, that goal coming for him, I think, was, uh, I don't know. It, I don't think it's something we, we can rely on. But the fact that Danny Ings is out, our, a lot of our strikers aren't scoring. The goals are going to have to come from elsewhere. And we got one from a midfielder who seems to, to have an, an eye for goal now and uh, a defender off of a free kick. I thought that was great. Like you said, it put us 2-0 up. And kind of going into that, I know United have the ability to come back from from uh, a deficit, and we have shown again and again and again uh, kind of the likelihood to to concede a lead. But at two nil uh, up in the first twenty minutes, was there any doubt in your mind? Was that creeping in, or were you kind of hoping that we were going to be able to, to to see this out?
1: Um, I had a feeling we could see it out, but I said to my friend who was sat next to me, "Two's not enough." I said, I said we needed to get a third to sort of make make ourselves feel a little bit more comfortable. Especially when Lukaku scored, I said, look, that, that's what I mean. They're going to go and equalise now. I didn't think it'd be that quick. In all honesty, I thought it would be 2-1 at half-time and then they'd come back in the second half. But I think quite a few fans are actually quite relieved that we didn't blow the game completely and we didn't lose because that was definitely a possibility that was creeping through my mind at half-time. You know, we could really go off and lose this, not even by one, maybe they'll score a couple in the second half, especially when they've got Martial, Lingard, Matter all on the bench that they can put on. Uh, luckily enough, they didn't really do too much in the second half. Okay, they dominated the ball, but in terms of clear-cut chances, I don't really think they created another one.
0: No, and I think the Saints showed a lot more energy yesterday. There was um, some youthfulness in the side, and I don't just mean that Obafemi and, and Valerie were there, but the the idea that we had to go and attack them and we had to go and try to press them and force them to make mistakes and realize that, yes, it's Manchester United, but it's not Manchester United uh, of old. This is, this is a team that is struggling for form. This is a team that is playing three center backs, even though two of them are midfielders, um, and, and that they, can, they are there to be kind of uh, got at. And I think we did a, a pretty good job. I don't think Lamina let Pogba, um, other than maybe the, I think was maybe the second goal, I think uh, no, it was the first goal, I think, um other than maybe not pressing him right away uh, for that that that, pass that he played forward, um, but for the most part, lamina was all over Pogba. Um, Valerie was making uh, you know tackles uh, and things like that, and they all kind of stood up to the challenge um, and I thought it was i thought it was I thought it was pretty good, like granted, we did concede two goals and we were up by two, but I mean the fact that we the fact that the team we put out there you you don't really. I don't know. I don't know. You you look at it and say they're young, maybe they're inexperienced, maybe they they aren't going to be able to stand up to the pressure. But I think they did just an, an excellent job overall.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think they did um, a good job. I did worry for Valerie a little bit, given that Pogba is obviously a World Cup winner with France. Valerie's a, a young Frenchman. Maybe sort of be in awe of Pogba. It was anything but. Um, Pogba. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the clip of Pogba's dreadful touch to Armstrong he he's just in midfield and he takes one touch and Armstrong takes it straight off him. And I think that summarised his uh, performance. If we're talking about Pogba specifically, Lamina, Boston, in every department, passing accuracy-wise, defensive-wise, he was stronger. Um, and you know, it was great to see.
0: Yeah, I thought our midfield, um, Lamina, Hoyberg, both great. Armstrong, fantastic. Uh, and, and like you said, Valerie was 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 great. And there was a one tackle I might have been on Shaw, kind of right on the edge of the area where Shaw just goes kind of kind of flying over him, you know, and, and Valerie, the ball kind of squirts away, but Valerie made an outstanding tackle. And I just thought like, he didn't look out of place at all. And we don't want to overhype him. Of course, we don't want to say, Oh, he's ready to, to be an everyday starter. Cause I'm not sure that's it. Um, but I do think there is some promise there. And I think it's good to see, um, you know, some youth players back in the team and we have a question on it. So we'll kind of save um, that for later. Um, United did get one back uh, in the 34th minute through Lukaku. I want to say, you know, probably just had time to play that pass to Rashford who got a little bit lucky with, uh, with his touch. Um, he outmuscled Yoshida, which we've seen in in the past. Uh, but then he got a little lucky with the touch to go back through, um, Steven's legs. But then, um, Vestergaard who had gone with Lukaku didn't track him right away. There was a little slight hesitation and that was enough for Lukaku to be open and he wasn't going to miss that shot. Um, you know, he generally scores against teams who are in the in the bottom of the table, you know, and he did that yesterday.
1: Yeah, but I think the thing with Romelu Lukaku, okay, he gets a load of bad publicity, but you put him in one on one with any goalkeeper, and you would back Lukaku to score. Yeah, yeah, so. you you would. You, he he's a fantastic finisher. Okay, people criticize him for his touch, maybe his passing ability, but one on one, you you would back Lukaku to score. I think overall it's Vestergaard's mistake only because if you look at back at the replay, he's looking in completely opposite direction of Lukaku's run. Who he's looking out for, I've got no idea. And then he realizes Lukaku's running in and it's too late. But I think I would, if I'm going to blame someone, I think Vestergaard has to take the, uh, take the hard shoulder for that one.
0: Yeah, and it's unfortunate, I think, at least from a, a fan standpoint, because we want someone to be that strong starting center back that we can rely on week in week out because uh, hoot up until this point has been in the lineup, but a lot of Saints fans don't have faith in him. And I think I've stood up for him in the past, but I think recently he definitely has uh, had like too many mistakes and he needed to be kind of taken out of the firing line. Uh, let it die yeah. down a little bit, let fans kind of forget about that stuff and give him a chance to build some confidence back up because I think his confidence has to be shot. Um, especially after giving that ball away, uh, for Fulham's third goal, I think last week, but um, anyway, yeah, I think Vestergaard, as good as he is in the air, uh, as comfortable as he is on the ball, as strong as he is, there was that, like he doesn't have the pace to make up for losing track of a runner, and you can't lose track of the team center forward, that, that is your job as a center back, essentially, you know, um, so anyway, um, going into um, halftime, I know it was, it was tied, I know, uh, Rashford did well um for the, for the second goal to and Herrera that was a kind of a a, a nice finish um I don't know I, I wasn't expecting that type of finish um not not from him not from anybody really on the pitch but um I thought it, I thought it was a you know well worked whatever they did it um but it goes into 2 and at that t- at that point were you worried that we were going to then come out and concede in the second half
1: Yeah I uh, 100% I I had a tiny bit of hope that we would go on and win it But, you know, United have Martial, Lingard, Mata, all on the bench, all could have come on. I I was quite surprised that Mourinho took until the 70th minute to actually make a substitution. I thought he might have changed something up um, at half time. Obviously, he didn't. He waited um, to bring someone on. But then he did bring Martial and Lingard on. But probably too late for them to have made a difference. And so I could see why United fans would be frustrated with Mourinho. But I was surprised that they didn't create really a clear-cut charge. I said to you before, you know, I expected, um, you know, I had to go out, start the second half. Rightly, they did, in fairness, they kept a lot of the ball. But they didn't really fashion a clear-cut charge because, you know, crosses into the box, but they weren't met. They weren't good enough. And that's down to individual quality or a lack of.
0: Yeah, I mean, you speak to the fact they had a lot of the ball. They had something like 60% possession almost through that first half. But we had more shots than them we had as many shots on target as they did um we were definitely in that game and we deserved to have um if not a lead uh, we deserved to at least be be tied in and, and the majority of the of the uh game was taking place in the middle of the pitch and it was kind of split on either on either uh, kind of attacking third so uh, i thought i thought we were really uh, well in the game uh and i thought like we said we had played well and there other than maybe some individual errors that led to goals uh, I didn't really have find very much to complain about going into halftime, um, other than we kind of worry that we were maybe going to uh, miss out on, um, you know, on some points, and and we did. In the second half, um, Lamina and Pogba wind up both getting booked for fouls on each other. That's Lamina's fifth, so he's out for the Spurs match midweek, which raises some questions in terms of, you know, what what our midfielders look so good. It's been one of the really the, the kind of high points of the team. Uh, what does that look like now? Um, especially with Romeo playing for the under 23s uh, midweek. So I, I think we'll see maybe him come in uh, for that, but we'll get to that later. I'm, ch- I'm trying to think of a lot of things that happened during the second half and I, and I, I can't put my finger on a lot of clear-cut <laughs> chances. Um, it seemed to be completely different from the first half in terms of intensity, uh, in terms uh, of chances and things like that. But like what as you we were watching the second half, like were there any real moments of, of, of brilliance that stood out to you?
1: If I think back to a chance, Hoyberg had a header that just went past the post, but I don't think it got picked up on any of the sort of highlight shows. Yeah, I, I think there was still intensity. There was definitely desire to go on and win the game from the host, which, which was promising to see. And a lot of those attacks came through Redmond, but it's like I was what I was saying to you earlier, you know, the final ball wasn't really there. So you skip past a couple of defenders, get to the edge of the box, but then his ball in would either be blocked or missed. Or just not good enough, which which was a shame because he'd done really all the hard work and couldn't execute the sort of the final part of the attack that would have led to a goal or at least a shot. So look, I think they tried. They just had didn't have the quality to uh, kill the game off.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think before we get to any questions or anything like that, it's you know, yes, we got a draw. We got a point that I didn't think we were going to get. I didn't see us getting anything from the game. And I'll be honest when I say that I, I have to uh, I have to say that I think we doubt, I, I'm doubting the, I don't want to say the quality of the team because I think the players are good, but I'm doubting the ability for us to kind of get out of this, this kind of funk that we're in. We're not winning games. We're not holding leads. And I, and I, I struggle to think that against a team like United or anybody else really that we're going to be able to to do that. So to see us, for me, hold out a lead for the entire second half To kind of limit a lot of of United's chances to to individual matchups all across the pitch to be in those and to to win those, um, I thought that the team was uh, I thought it was a a huge positive. Um, I thought we were better defensively uh, throughout the second half. Like you said, I thought Redmond was great, but like one of the things that we have to to realize is that that is now twenty points I believe dropped from winning positions since Hughes took over. Uh, yeah it's something
1: like that that's
0: yeah. and that's a huge huge um issue you know um and that's one win at home in the last 18 so that's you know that's all the games you get in this or one one fewer game that you get an entire season with only one win and that 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 can't happen like, this can't be this can't be a thing if we're actually going to try to stay in the league you know
1: yeah look i think part of the statistics in terms of what huge has done is a little bit unfair on him, uh, only because when he came in, you know, the side was so sort of dreaded of confidence. But look, at the end of the day, you know, he had a whole summer with them in pre-season to sort of kick out any sort of worries that they may have had, or they still obviously have from last season. And if it's sort of 19, 20, maybe even 21 points from, from winning positions, you know, that, that's shocking, but what that also says is, or reiterates really, why the recruitment's been poor in terms of management because Pellegrino was the exact same. You know, I, I can't particularly think right now of um, games that we threw away under Pellegrino. I mean, the Crystal Palace at home last January stands out massively for me as one of those sort of games where we had a lead and we threw it away. But it's, it's a reoccurring problem And, you know, you can, you can question the management, but I think sometimes you've got to go a bit further than that and sort of question the mentality of the players.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, we definitely have had issues in in seasons leading up to this. Um, We definitely have issues. I think that run, you know, from the training pitch to the boardroom and everywhere in between. Um, And that was something that the commentators kind of brought up was like, and I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this is like Mark Hughes is I think safe right now. I don't, regardless of the result yesterday, unless we go out and get blown at six, nothing, maybe um, I think he's safe simply because the the people at the club that are there to make a managerial decision haven't really been responsible for making managerial decisions, you know, overall, you know, you, we don't necessarily associate Ralph Kruger um, with, with making football decisions. He said it before. He's not, that's not his role. That was Les Reed's role. So I have to say that, you know, Hughes is likely probably to go. I would, if I had to, if I had to bet on it, if I had to say whether he's going to go or not, I would say he will go when that role that Les Reed filled is filled by two or three people, whatever, however they chop up the responsibilities. But one of those people is at least is going to have a guy or someone that they want to bring in, and I think that will be when we see Hughes the the like uh, shorten You know, he's going to get fewer and fewer chances to to kind of stay around, um, unless, of course, you you. Think of the the monetary side of it where we've already paid off two managers and we can't really afford to do it again.
1: Um, I think I think we could have... Af- well, I don't know with the ownership. I think we could afford it, but I do get frustrated with some of the fans, not all of them, to be fair, that say, you know, Hughes out on social media publicly, sort of always slating him. Look, it's not been great, but at the end of the day, if you're looking in the long term, we've got a board that know nothing about football. And so if we're saying sack the manager and get someone new in who's to say that the guy they bring in isn't worse because you know if i can think of a recent example you know West Brom last season got rid of Pulis quite early on but they brought in Pardew and that wasn't the wasn't the quote um decision and so they had to sack him as well pretty much when relegation is all but confirmed and had to give the job for the rest of the season to the youth coach who's obviously now Current manager and they're doing well in the championship, but that's not what that's not a risk we want to take. So I definitely think that the director of football appointment is crucial. Um, I'm a bit surprised that it's taken this long and a bit um, worried and disappointed uh, because I think from what I've heard, there's a real mix over Hughes who was going to get the boot if he didn't win or if he didn't um, get a result on Saturday. He was going to go, but I think if it gets to a point where he doesn't get a result at Cardiff, then they're going to have to get rid of him. I I can't see how he could stay on when we lose it, or if we lose, sorry, a game as big as that. And then that's where it's worrying, because we don't have the the man or woman, I don't know who who they'll bring in to make the decision on a replacement manager that's not only going to keep us in the Premier League, but get us back into the table.
0: Yeah, I mean, in looking ahead, you mentioned it that Cardiff is a huge match, Huddersfield is a huge match. You can say West Ham's a big match too, because yeah, of, simply because a, of this yeah, is when it's... you have chances. Those are the three games you would say you know you got a chance to take something from it. We have Spurs, Arsenal, City, and Chelsea all all before the second of the year, and that that's just a brutal run of fixtures. But it's the way that it works out. I don't know, like I, I don't want to overlook Tottenham completely, but that that's that's the game that I I wouldn't expect a lot from. Uh, I think the focus has to be on Cardiff, and, and now for the team. I mean, I as how much pressure is on the players for that match? Um, seeing as how the, the opportunities to win points, um, you know, against some of these teams that are coming up is, isn't isn't great.
1: No, and that's what I worry about because we don't play well when there's pressure. You know, you, okay, we took the lead in the Fulham game and we were able to come back from two one down. But there was so much riding on that game, and they they could feel it. I think it's the same with the Newcastle and um, Watford games at home. Obviously, we drew both of them where really a win was the only decent result that we could have got. Yeah, especially with the sort of fragile mentality that we've sort of seen all season, really, I do worry for that game. Um, Not necessarily because Hughes is a bad manager, because obviously he was able to get his side to go 2-0 up against Manchester United. Okay, yes, they've got pit-back 2-2, but it's still a good result overall. I, I don't worry about the sort of tactics side from it. I worry about the actual team, how they approach the game, how they sort of think of the game. Knowing I mean, obviously, they need to get a result. You know, I think they care. They definitely play for the manager. But I think they're just scared to, for it to go wrong.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, that's, I think that's totally, that's totally fair. Um, and like we said before, united are united granted they're down in seventh position currently but that's still you know that's still top half of the table and they still you know are are likely to to surprise everybody and wind up in a in some sort of european place even if we don't think they deserve it because of the way they play or whatever um that seems to be kind of the the team that they have this season and we'll see kind of what they do in january um and, and all of that stuff but um all right, I, th- I think we have a, a couple of questions. I think we can, we can kind of move on to now. Um, we have some questions. One of them is from St. Kevin, who is at Moscow Mush, and he is part of the um, In That Number podcast, and you can find them on Twitter, um, at Numbers Podcast, I believe. And he says, with two games against both the top six and the bottom six coming up, will we still be in the relegation zone at Christmas? Um, so to you, I mean, what do you, wh- with those games that we have coming up, um, I believe it's Spurs, Cardiff, Arsenal, and then Huddersfield. Where will we be?
1: Hopefully, outside of the relegation zone. I think it's definitely possible, uh, especially if we pick up. I think even if we got maybe four points from those four games, you know, it's so tight down the bottom. Is I don't know. I think if Cardiff and Huddersfield are huge. They're absolutely vital. But you could say, you know, Arsenal's a home game. Their away form isn't spectacular okay they've been unbeaten they're unbeaten for god knows how many games but you know we could could get a point with a good performance like we saw on Saturday in that one for me I think we definitely have to win at least Cardiff or Huddersfield because now I'm being a realist now I'm being a realist I think four points from those two games plus a point against Spurs or Arsenal would be a decent run and hopefully that should be enough to get us out of the relegation zone it wouldn't push us up into the table of course we'd still be sort of between fifteenth and seventeenth, right, on um, there. But I think outside of those sort of bottom three positions with those results.
0: Yeah, and I mean, watching some of these teams play recently, um, or at least looking at the results, Cardiff and Huddersfield have managed to pull themselves out of the relegation zone, which I don't think anybody predicted. Um, I think people thought Fulham would be better off than where they're at. Um, I don't think anybody saw Burnley down in the relegation zone, but uh, there was always the the talk that you know the Europa League could hurt them a little bit, but. Um, then you start looking at even our results against Burnley. We had that nil-nil draw like we, neither team looks very good. Um, but all that said, as bad as our season's been, we are still in contention to kind of jump out of the relegation zone and move up a few places. But it's going to take uh, us beating the teams around us uh, to do that. And and so I think you said something that's like five points from four games, right? Like beat either Cardiff or Huddersfield, draw the other one, uh, find a point else uh, against Arsenal possibly or... Uh, or, or Spurs and, and that's it like that's what we have To do that is that is kind of I, I would Say the bare minimum I think a lot of people Will be hoping for six points possibly seven um, But I think there we are maybe getting Ahead of ourselves since we only have um, Nine points now through 14, 14 Matches but um, Justin Woodward who's at Justin Woody 76 says with the Emergence of a couple of youngsters uh, I believe he's probably referring to Valerino um how do you rate The youth system the last couple of years and what its future holds?
1: Um, I think it's still got a bright future. Um, I think the last three, uh, last couple of years, it's been quite slow. We haven't really seen a fantastic amount of quality. Because I think the main sort of player that you'll look at who's come through from the youth over the last couple of seasons is Jack Stevens. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's breaking in now in the side. Excellent, excellent defender. He was outstanding on Saturday. Definitely contender for Man of the Match. Um, you could obviously say Josh Sims as well came through, but he's he's gone off on loan. He didn't actually manage to get a goal, however good everyone said he was. Same with Sam McQueen, um, a, a, you know, a decent backup left back. Uh, but again, shipped out on loan, couldn't make it into the first team. So, yeah, I think it slowed down a bit. I wouldn't be surprised if sort of, Obafemi or Valerie games under their belt on a regular season. But, you know, from those two particular players, you know, it, they looked they they look comfortable. They look ready to play. And, and I think that's always um, going to be the case with Southampton. You know, they really sort of get their players ready to get into the first team, whatever chance they get. You know, they're ready to take it, which is, you know, a credit to the uh, youth staff. And it seems like we've got a few more youngsters who might be coming through given the success of the under 23 side this season
0: yeah i mean one of the big draws to the club for me was the fact that we developed a lot of players uh, and we brought them into the first team we incorporated them into the first team and you know i think every club goes through times where you can do that and it works um and then sometimes you're going to have it where it just doesn't work. You you go through a dry spell. You miss on some players. You sell some players off. You loan some players out. Whatever. But I think the fact that we do have a lot of players on loan that maybe could have helped us, but the, our squad is so kind of bloated. We have so many players who are okay, you know, that are that are in the squad right now. That I think it's difficult to 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 you know to to keep some of these younger guys around. And you want them to get games. Um. So maybe you sacrifice a little bit by sending them out, and hopefully they they get some game time. Some some competitive matches instead of under twenty three stuff, whereas you have some guys on the actual first team or in and around the first team that their long term future is probably doesn't lie at Southampton. You know that that's at least kind of what I I, w- I would hope is happening with some of these things. But uh, looking at our next our next question here, this comes from Instagram uh, from at Saints Verse and it says Lamina and Hoiberg are both unavailable. Who do you think will play and how do you think we'll get on? against them. Um, I believe he's talking about Spurs because that's the next match. And Lamina is suspended due to yellow card suspension, which is why we were missing Bertrand. Uh, Actually, Bertrand missed the the uh, midweek match, I think. And then now he had an injury, correct? Or he missed last weekend, but now he's got an injury.
1: Um, Going on to the question, I was thinking about this. um, I think Romain definitely should come in. And then it's a question between War Prowse, and Davis. Um, In terms of recent form...
0: let me let me ask you something before we get to before we get into this. Hoiberg's only got four yellow cards, so is Hoiberg suspended? No. Right. So
1: I I, I well, I've heard from other people that he's suspended, but I I thought the same. I thought that was quite um quite like quite confusing. But you know, if he is suspended, then I think we've got a pretty decent depth of midfielders. So if he is suspended, if we've got the stat wrong and he is on five yellow cards then I think, you know, you'd look at more props than Davis, but definitely I think Romay for Lamina would be the, the obvious choice.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not seeing anything for him being suspended now. Um, okay. I'm hoping that that is just a rumor or somebody said it and then people ran with it. I'm, that's what I'm hoping. So, um, if if I'm wrong, I'm sure somebody will point it out. Um, <laughs> but, like, like you said, we do have midfielders uh, in in the squad. The only thing I I would hope is that They've been playing well. They've been playing well together, um, especially when you throw in Armstrong there. So, like, you want to keep that core together. You want them to get games. And um, Hoyberg wearing the armband in, in the absence of Ryan Bertrand has been a fantastic addition to the team. I think it's been it's been great for him and for the rest of the club. So, you want that to continue. Uh, if it can't continue midweek against Spurs, oh well. Uh, hopefully, we pick it back up against Cardiff because, like you said, that's really the match that. Um, you want. So uh, you assume Romeo comes in. Davis has come off the bench twice now uh, in a row. So maybe he gets a start. Um, You know, you also have James Ropaus who can come in and do it. Um, So I think that that will, it'll be something like that. And we'll probably see a formation similar to what we we saw uh, against United uh, with the back three. Granted, I don't know who it will be. And I don't know if Bertrand will be fit in that time to come back in and play left back or if Cedric will, will step over there and do that again. So, uh, it'll kind of be up to to them to to do that, but um, I don't know. like I guess just looking forward into going into the week, like we'll talk again with another guest uh, after Cardiff, but like looking at Spurs and Cardiff, like, how do you feel going into those games? Do you think there, there are enough positives there that, uh, coming out of the United game that we can take and move forward? Or do you think that we are kind of back at square one where uh, we have to find something to build on?
1: No, I think there are definitely positives to take. Not just from the United game, the Leicester Cup game. Um, You could argue in the attacking sense in the Fulham game, there's definitely uh, positives to take. Um, Looks like we're scoring goals, which is promising to see. You know, Armstrong's in great form. Um, He's a great uh, creative spark that seems to uh, be fashioning these chances from which we're scoring, which is great to see um, because that's been a problem. You know, if we can keep scoring consistently, that'd be fantastic. I think the main worry really is shipping the goals. You know, how how are the uh, defence going to react? It'd be interesting to see how that sort of similar, the same backfire that played against United and Leicester would do against one of the so-called lesser teams in, in Cardiff because obviously Spurs is going to be another difficult test because they've got a fantastic attack line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would stick with that team for the next couple of games and uh, if it doesn't work out, you know, okay, but I I can't really see a better option right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think that should probably be what we see. Um, and just kind of now that we're on the, the yellow card thing, I'm starting to think about it. it looks like Cedric yeah. and Hoiberg are both on four yellow cards. Romelu, yeah. who's played considerably less time, is on three, which is not surprising because it seems like every time he ah. comes on. Um, but this would be... I would say that if Cedric plays against Spurs, it's very important that he doesn't get a fifth yellow card. Like, we need a full-strength team going into Cardiff. So, to me, Hoyberg and, and Cedric, them just avoiding yellow card suspension for that match in particular uh, will be great, especially because we don't know the fitness of Ryan Bertrand um, or Matt Target, and we don't want to be, you know, I don't know, I don't think we want to be in a position where we just don't have a left back, you know. And I think that that would be bad. That's kind of you know, it's good when guys play in positions they, they know and can like, and are good at. So that's all.
1: Yeah. completely.
0: All right. Um, but Dan, I mean, this has been kind of a disaster on my part in terms of, I don't know what the edit will sound like when it's all done, but we've had interruptions. I've had dogs. I've had, I think I called out the wrong goal four or five times. So we'll see how this goes. But, um, uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to add before we kind of uh, wrap this up?
1: So it's a on hundred fantastic effort. Um, And hopefully you can do another couple hundred more.
0: Yeah. Well, um, as long as everybody around here, as I look at my wife, um, is okay with it. I think it'll be, it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, this has been, I mean, now you've, you've been on the show a couple of times. It's been a great experience and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, I've enjoyed uh, kind of all of it and I've learned a lot, um, about just, talking to people about looking at a game. It's changed the way I kind of watch the game a little bit. Um, yeah. And but like this, like just having a conversation with you, just going through all this has is, is been the best part of it uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what what this is all about. Um, but yeah, thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, and you please keep doing the work that you were doing. Um, I, think it's, you. I think it's good. And I'm, I'm glad to see you kind of, you know, continue to put yourself out there and continue to, to try new things. I think that's important. So keep that up.
1: Thank you
2: very
0: much. All right, man. Well, uh, we will link to, uh, the new Instagram, Twitter account in the show notes. It's the saints view. Uh, we'll put the YouTube link in there as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, hopefully people will go and check that out and we'll, uh, yeah. you know, we'll be back, I guess, after, uh, after Cardiff and Spurs. That does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Now, I'd like to apologize to you. I've had a bit of a nightmare this this episode. Uh, made some mistakes, but hopefully you didn't notice because of the edit. Uh, hopefully you don't notice that my cell phone is ringing a lot. It's a lot of notifications. The group chat is blowing up, and I do not know why. Oh, <laughs> Southampton have parted ways with manager Mark Hughes.
2: Well, looks like we got to call Dan back.
0: Hey, man, how's it going? Good. No, long time no see. I know. Seriously. It's, um, it's early. I did not. I got, up oh, did? Well, we'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Uh, less than 24 hours from when we last spoke. Dan Hargraves, uh, we've had a bit of a change in circumstance surrounding the club, so uh, welcome back. Mark Hughes is now uh, is no longer the manager of the club, and uh, we're looking at a replacement.
1: Yeah, and what? Well, okay. So starting off with how I found out the news. Obviously, my phone was vibrating in the middle of the lesson, and you know, I was waiting. I was desperate to get out, and obviously, I checked my phone because I was thinking, God, like something big with the club must have happened because like, I'm not this popular on a Monday morning saw it and firstly I was relieved but then I was instantly worried about who all these sort of papers were linking us with but I'm, re- I'm quite optimistic um with who the names being sort of juggled around the main one Ralph um H- Hassan Patel that, like that's a very German name like, I'm, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce that we'll get used to it if he does come but yeah, obviously did very well at Leipzig. Also, Kike Sanchez Flores. You know, it's not just um, Hassan Hill who's been linked, and Flores. You know, has the Premier League experience. Did relatively well with Watford. Um, so I think if it's if it's going to be one of those two, then I think we will be okay.
0: Yeah, you know, um, talk about when you found out. I normally uh, turn off all my notifications and I mute my phone at night just because my wife doesn't want to be woken up mostly. Um, I've been asked to do that. I'll be honest. Um, but, uh, last night there just seemed to be some weird kind of things happening, um, in terms of, of how, um, people were talking about the, the potential re- replacement. And so I, I left my notifications on and, um, needless to say, I, I, I my phone was going off pretty, pretty, uh, a, a lot, a lot more than normal. Um, and when I kind of rolled over and saw the news, I was kind of like, well, I don't know if I can go back to sleep yet. So I've been awake for a little while. I fell back asleep. But um, yeah, it's been it's been kind of a weird uh, thing. But uh, I think we were talking right before this. uh, You mentioned almost uh, similar timing, I think, to when um, Les Reed was let go. Um, But you know, I I think first let's look back at at last year when Hughes comes in. He's got eight games to save us from relegation, and he manages to do kind of just enough to do it. And and you know, I think that. I think we were in a bad spot last year. Um, so for him to come in and do that, I think was okay. I think it was, um, I think he did well enough, but um, nothing was really all that great. And a lot of people weren't happy with the appointment to begin with. Um, you talked to a lot of p- fans who uh, of teams he managed before. Uh, they weren't happy. Uh, they didn't think we were going to be happy with it. Um, but I mean, coming into this season, I, I mean, is it the, you think it's the right decision now? I know, I, you know, earlier in the show, we were probably, uh, different but now looking back at it and I was you know maybe we're trying to be positive or whatever it is and you know people will will, will take it for what it is but now um, do you think this is the right decision now and even though it looks like uh, you know we, we have some replacements lined up and, and I know my big concern was who at the club is making this decision but the the Ralph uh, Hassan Hudul uh, looks to be you know um, he's done some really good things with a lot of teams so it, it looks okay but how are, you, how are you feeling about this now?
1: I think in terms of the timing we, we've kind of got it right. Um, I think if we'd waited, sort of after the Cardiff game, and especially if the Cardiff game didn't go to plan, we would have waited too late. Like I, I genuinely fear that if we'd sacked him after a loss at Cardiff, that would have been too late. Personally, you know, I would have gotten rid of him in, over the international break before the Fulham game. Obviously, that wasn't the case. Um, you know, it was a defeat at Fulham, but then a point at United. So it was, yeah. it was it was all right. But I think now's the time to sort of depart with him and sort of look forward because there's a lot of games. There's a lot of games coming up and some of them are winnable. Some of them we can definitely get results from. And if we can have a good sort of Christmas period, then we can definitely not only just sort of propel ourselves away from the relegation zone, but put ourselves into a strong mid table position.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's, it's a difficult kind of situation. You look at, at how fast the games are going to come. You look at uh, what some of those games look like. Uh, like we were talking earlier in the show, we have a ton of, uh, of the big six kind of coming up, but we also have those two really crucial games um, in Huddersfield um, and Cardiff coming. And, the hope is that we have a permanent manager in place. Kelvin Davis is going to take over uh, for, for the Tottenham match midweek. And so, yeah, I, I would have thought that, you know, had they, if they were going to sack him, they would have done it over the international break. That seemed like a more appropriate time. But um, maybe this is the club having the replacement almost ready to go uh, mm. now, rather than, um, you know, just sacking the manager because there was an international break. So maybe this is a good choice from the club uh, and, and we can only hope that that's that that's the case, so um you know in in terms of of the potential replacements, it looks like uh Hudel is the um and I could be saying that completely wrong, and i'll, I'll apologize to everybody for that but um oh, that to me all right yeah, yeah we'll just go go <laughs> with it um I may have taken one year of German or two years of German in college. I was mostly drunk the entire time, but it's okay um the i mean if if we if we go with hassanhul um you know i guess looking just kind of briefly over his stats and things of what he did at, at RB Leipzig and a couple of the other clubs. Like I, I guess I'm encouraged. It seems like uh, whenever I saw RB Leipzig, cause they show them on TV here sometimes um, normally only when they play against Bayern Munich or maybe, you know, uh, a couple of the other teams, but they looked entertaining. They, they got to the champions league. Um, they've done some stuff. I know it's not a really a popular club in Germany because of kind of the way it came about. But I mean, I mean, I, I have to be optimistic in in the appointment. I think that's, you know, it's hard to imagine um, very many big name managers wanting to come to Southampton given the situation that we're in.
1: Yeah, completely. But I think if you look at Leipzig, obviously that's the job that he's probably most well known for. A a lot of their players were quite young talents coming through. Um, Red Bull obviously invested in the club, invested heavily into their youth um, sort of academy, I guess. But at the end of the day, you can have all this money sort of thrown into a club. You have to have a manager who can, which really is sort of vital essentially. And, you know, I think he definitely got the best out of the squad he had. To to get promoted and then finish second in a top flight season is um, like that. That's an unreal achievement. We can talk about sort of the financial backing um, of the owners, but... even to do that, that you have to have a fantastic coach. And that's clearly what Hassan Hutter is, not even just for the Leipzig job. You know, you look at his other jobs. I think he's taken quite a few low division teams in Germany up to um, leagues above. So he he seems to be a good coach. The only thing that I'd say against him is he hasn't got Premier League experience. But is that too much of a necessity?
0: I mean, top flight, top flight experience is goes a long way. And and he's, he's also worked at some of the lower leagues. Like he didn't just walk into a job where everything was kind of laid out for him. Um, you know, just looking at some of the stats every season or every club that he's been at, not necessarily every season, but every club that he's been at, um, he's got a positive goal difference. Um, and all of his win percentages are over 37%. Uh, and and so, I mean, it doesn't, that's going up leagues. That is, that is in between leagues. That is divisions all up and down. Um, you know, the, the spectrum of where he can, where he can coach. And uh, that, that all seems positive. It seems like that's um, he switched at one point. I, I read that he, he went from a, um, you know, a 4-4-2 to a four five one 5 and played heavy counterattacking. And the first thing I think of when I hear that is, is how we were under Kuhlman and we'll see how it goes, you know, and uh, you know, or we could wind up with Kiki Sanchez Flores, but as long as we don't go um, big Sam, or uh, I saw a David Moy's link earlier, I'll be, I'll be just fine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the exact same as me, you know. That's what I was saying to you earlier, you know. That's why I look at the the replacements we were linked with because obviously if it was one of the typical so sort of, say from relegation, English managers so sort of post Brexit.
0: Uh yeah. <laughs> well, we just did that, right? We just got a guy okay, off the off the, say the managerial merry-go-round. We don't need to do that again and uh it looked like some of the things I read from the Guardian uh and I think the Telegraph, it looked like the club is really looking at a long-term potential replacement, but I think you say that you can't ever say like, Oh, we're just, we just want to stay up again because you know, we did that. But, um, some things I worry about, I think I read it was 6 million pounds. They got to pay him off or something like that because they fired him, you know, less than six months into or six months into a, a, a new contract. So that, um, that's money that could potentially now not be spent in January, but yeah. Um, you know, we've missed now, on, on, three separate managers. So it's going to be, uh, it's imperative now that we, we make the right selection that that person comes in and can, you know, kind of structure the, uh, understand the structure of the club, work within that structure, but also work to, uh, kind of improve the, bring more youth through, um, develop the youth, uh, and, and work kind of like within that structure and, and just hope that this is, this is the right appointment, I guess. I mean, I keep saying that, but uh, at this point, we are we are hoping to have somebody in by Saturday. You know, you hope Kelvin Davis has a has a kind of a, a good showing as a as a as an interim manager, and hopefully he stays on as as uh, some sort of assistant because I think he is uh, important to the club. I, I guess any any final thoughts on on Hughes or on the potential new guy as I try to piece this uh, podcast together a little bit.
1: Um, on the, in terms of Hughes look he did what he needed to do last season personally in the summer I felt like we were I want to say kind sort of too nice because you look at the other teams um particularly Everton and West Ham who had Allardyce and Moyes and obviously Moyes and Allardyce came in and did their jobs well enough but their respective clubs got rid of them in the summer went with uh, more sort of prospective managers and, you know, they've, it's paid off. Obviously, Manuel Pellegrini hasn't got the best out of his players yet, but it looks like West Ham are going to start climbing up the table. And obviously, Marcus Silva's done exceptionally well with Everton so far. So that was kind of a signal how, towards the club saying, well, really, we shouldn't have offered to use the uh, three year contract. We should have gone with someone else, said, thank you for keeping us up. But we had to be ruthless and we won't. And obviously, we paid the price now, but we're luckily enough to um, be able to get rid of him, bring a new guy in and hopefully we can start picking up the results and climb up the table.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the one thing that like I, I sometimes forget is that he and, and Les Reed had worked together in the past. Um, that was kind of his appointment. And I thought that, that Les Reed going would, would kind of give him a little bit of life and save him a little bit simply because there wasn't anybody there uh, to, to, uh, to replace, you know, there wasn't anybody there to choose a replacement for him. But at the same time, um, you know, when you're a guy above you, the guy that that hired you goes. Oftentimes, that means that your job is in jeopardy, and um the the club feels that this is the right time to to do that. So, um, yeah, I think I think that he he did well enough last year to to keep us up, and like you said, it, it, we probably could have made a different decision over the summer, but um they're making it now, and we just have to hope that we have enough time to to turn this around.
1: Yeah, I definitely think we've got enough time, but I th- the results need to start coming quickly because. You know, we've got so many games in the next couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, if it whoever it is, I mean, obviously, it seems like it's going to be and Hüttel. And I'm, I'm sort of excited because Pellegrino was an appointment where we had no sort of idea how he was going to be because, okay, he did well one season. But this is a manager who's got sort of raw, rich pe- coaching pedigree, very much like Jurgen Klopp, actually. And... I've seen names being floated around how he's called something like Klopp of the Alps, because he's obviously Austrian. Mm-hmm. Klopp's German, you know, started off in the lower leagues and then worked his way up j- just like Klopp and kind of like David Wagner as well. So I- I'm optimistic. You know, German managers seem to do all right in the Premier League. Okay, he's Austrian, but, you know, he's come from the Bundesliga. And I, I think he'll be a good appointment. I think it's, um, it's a good sign from the club to appoint
0: him. All right, all right. Well, Dan, uh, thanks for jumping back on here with me. Um, kind of last minute, but, uh, appreciate it. And, uh, we'll do this again, probably not uh, tomorrow morning, but definitely soon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, completely. No, definitely before this season's ended. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks. All right. No worries.
0: that actually does it for episode 99 of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Dan Hargraves for talking to me not once but twice. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Dan Hargraves underscore. You can also get more from him at The Saints View and at Talk Saints. Links are in the show notes. Do not miss out. Other people that this show could not happen without is you listener thank you for your questions for tuning in uh for helping me out for pointing me in the right direction when i get off track i truly do appreciate it um if you'd like to follow the show on social media so you can keep up with us when we're uh, not doing shows because these only happen once a week but um, there are six other days where the show doesn't come out and sometimes we post stuff on there and sometimes i find it uh, i think it's kind of entertaining and informational Um, you can do that at sfc dell underscore ivery on Twitter and Instagram or at facebook.com forward slash SFC Delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. The show also relies on other people, including Matt Bealing of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For all your matchday edits, polls, competitions and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt did the logo for the show and he's been a guest in the past. And next week for episode 100, I'm happy to say he will be back here. So tune in after Cardiff to get his take on what's going on uh, hopefully, see a new manager uh, and possibly get some announcements because things are happening. The show is also partnered with the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For all your Southampton FC news and needs, be sure to follow the Southampton page. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. Uh, the intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. The end of show credits that you're listening to right now that is actually going to be over. is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. I also took a bunch of sounds from the YouTube audio archive to help make this episode. Um, And then I recorded Skype because that's what you do. If you have not done so already, be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening so you get future episodes of the podcast as soon as they are ready. If you're enjoying the show and you haven't done so yet, consider leaving a review on iTunes or 100 episodes in. It does help the show grow. I'm not saying you have to but it would be nice. And last but not least, no matter what, thank you for listening. I truly appreciate your support. We will see you next week for episode 100. And until then, remember that together, we march on.